The questions are endless, and we often do not get the answers that we want. But brothers and sisters, let me assure you of this this morning. Just because God does not answer us in the way that we want does not mean that he is silent. He has always been speaking throughout history for those who will listen to his revelation. So if you would, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, where we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3 of chapter 1 this morning. And as you turn there, we'll go to God once more in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this church. Thank you for the people. I thank you for all of the souls that you have redeemed by your blood. Um, and I just pray, Lord, this morning that your word would be declared clearly um, and the truth would be heard. Uh, please impact hearts and let your word not go forth void. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we turn to Hebrews, I will give you some context for the book. Uh, it was written around the year 70 AD, uh, before the destruction of the Jewish temple. Uh, one can see the similarities it has to the book of Romans. It's a powerful foundation of the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus. It brings all of the richness of the Old Testament into the context of the new covenant that Jesus had established in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. The message of Hebrews is loud and clear in saying that Jesus is better. He is a better prophet, priest, and king better than any who have come before him. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. He himself has ushered in a new covenant that allows us direct access to God. Jesus himself is the mediator of this new covenant. This superiority was an especially important message to the Jews to whom the author was writing in Hebrews. It seems, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 39, that these Jews were facing some persecution for their faith in Jesus. I am sure that there are many Jews in this day who were appalled at the idea of giving up the old rituals of the law for faith in Jesus. It is likely they ridiculed those who even considered following Jesus instead of putting their trust in the law. The persecution was undoubtedly making those who did put their faith in Jesus question if it was worth it. They must have been asking themselves, why should I continue to have faith in Jesus if it is going to cost me so much? Would it not be easier to go back to the old ways? Isn't it much easier to continue in the Jewish customs and not risk offending those who are still holding to them? Well, we see that the answer to these questions is clear in the first few verses of Hebrews. Hebrews proclaims, as I said, that Jesus is better. And this morning, I would like us to specifically focus that Jesus is a better prophet or messenger. We see this truth communicated in the opening verses of the book of Hebrews. Look at it with me in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, Long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, 
and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Stop and consider with me for a second the amazing reality of the words, God spoke. Have you ever pondered the absolute gracious act it is of God to speak to us? He, being the creator, could rightly choose to act without giving us the slightest insight into his plans. He could justly choose to leave us in the dark and give us no guidance on how to escape our hopeless estate as sinners. But the fact is, brothers and sisters, that God has spoken, and he continues to speak to us even now. Now, I mentioned the idea that we will consider Jesus being the better messenger this morning. Better than whom, you may ask? Well, the text tells us that he is better than the messengers that God has used in the past, namely the prophets of the Old Testament. Look at this idea with me again in Hebrews 1.1. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. I would like us to notice the phrase at many times and in many ways. It was not just once or twice that God spoke. He spoke through the prophets many times. And this is evidenced by the myriad of prophetic passages that are sprinkled throughout the Old Testament. Not only did God speak at many times, but he also spoke to and through the prophets in many ways. We don't have time to go to all those passages this morning. But just consider all the different ways that God spoke throughout the Old Testament. He spoke through a burning bush to Moses, through a fleece to Gideon, through visions and dreams to Joseph and Solomon, and even through a donkey to Balaam. God spoke in many times and in many ways. There is something else I want us to consider about this phrase, though. Considering the fact that all of the Old Testament revelations was anticipatory, Take any book of the Old Testament, and you will see a pointing forward of what is yet to be revealed. In other words, the Old Testament prophets are telling the opening act. The prophet's main purpose was to point to the superior prophet who would deliver God's greatest message of all. And that prophet was, of course, Jesus. And so if you're following along on your insert this morning, that is the first fill-in. The prophets pointed to a greater messenger. The prophet's message shows that, Je that God always planned for Jesus to be the better and final revelation. And we see this idea particularly illustrated in the ministry of Moses. So turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where we will see this. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. And it says, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. So what we see here is all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses prophesying the coming of Jesus. Notice that he says, it is to him that you shall listen. He clearly points to the fact that God will speak finally and superlatively through Jesus Christ. He will be the voice that God's people are to ultimately listen to and follow. 
The fact that Christ is this prophet is further affirmed in John chapter 6, verse 14, which says, When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Now, I want us to think about what Moses is saying here in Deuteronomy. It's important to note that Moses is commonly considered the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. He was the one through whom God delivered his people out of bondage in Egypt. He was the one whom regularly met with God and received revelation from him directly. He was the one who received the Ten Commandments, as well as the many laws and rituals that the Israelites were to follow as God's holy people. And despite this amazing resume, we see here that Moses is pointing forward to a future prophet who we are told to listen. Now, the point is this. Moses was a great prophet, but Jesus is better. The message of Moses was good news in the sense that he revealed that God was preparing the way for salvation. But the law that he revealed from God could never be the means of salvation to those who heard it. It was necessary that a better message should come. A message that says, not only has God revealed what he requires, but he has also given us the ability to do it. That would be the glorious good news of Jesus, the greater prophet. And that's exactly what the prophet Jeremiah pointed to in Jeremiah 31, 33. Let me read that for us. It says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord Yahweh. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now we see that this prophecy refers to a new covenant that God would bring through the work of Jesus. No longer would the law only be an external set of rules that revealed sin. God promises here in Jeremiah that he will put his law within his people. He will write it on our hearts. This is pointing to the regenerating work of the Spirit, which takes place when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But notice that it points to the future. It points to a future covenant, covenant that God will make with his people. The means by which God uses to accomplish this covenant was still unclear in the time of Jeremiah. The message of salvation was yet to be complete. Now, Jesus, as we mentioned earlier, acted as the mediator of this new covenant by dying the death necessary to fulfill it. And we see that reality communicated back in the book of Hebrews. So if you guys want to turn back to Hebrews, I know we're jumping around a bit, but turn back to Hebrews chapter 9, where we're going to look at verse 15, and we'll see this communicated. Hebrews 9, chapter, or Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. <clears throat> All right, and it's speaking of Jesus, and it says, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed, under the first covenant. So we see that Jesus did the work necessary to secure the eternal inheritance of those who trust in the Lord. 
He did what no prophet in all of history could ever do. Although he was like Moses in the sense of being a prophet mediator of a covenant, he was superior. His death, resurrection, secured the long-awaited promises of God. We see this further illustrated in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And it says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence in our boasting, in our hope. We see here that Jesus is greater than Moses because of who he is. Look at it in verses 5 through 6. It says, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Now Moses was a wonderful servant of the Lord, and what he said had immense value since it came from God. Jesus, though, is the son of God. His message is better because he is the one promising it and securing it. The prophets spoke on behalf of God But Jesus is God, and therefore the very source of the message. That is why the prophets are no longer the means by which God speaks to us. We have a better messenger. We now look to what his son has already declared. If you're following along, that is our second fill-in. Jesus is the better messenger. Let's turn back to our passage in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. And we will look at this contrast between how God has spoken in the past and how he currently speaks to us now. So in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now, I want you guys to notice that transitioning word, but. Now, but is a conjunction used to introduce something contrasting with what has already been said. And in this case, it's used to contrast God's old way of speaking with his current way of speaking. Notice that he did not use the word and as a conjunction. He did not say, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, and in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The word but shows a clear delineation between God's old way of speaking and his current way of speaking. 
And the current method of speaking is shown to be superior to the old way because the one who is doing the speaking, namely Jesus, the Son of God. It is like saying, in the past, I used to drink Starbucks coffee, but now I drink coffee from Cafe Duet because their coffee is superior. And I do agree with that statement, by the way. <laughs> Bo may disagree, but I'm not a big fan of Starbucks. <laughs> but the point is this. We no longer have to consult prophets to hear what God has to say. In fact, we no longer should consult prophets to hear what God has to say. He has spoken to us finally and decisively through Jesus Christ and his coming. Look at it in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. It says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Brothers and sisters, God has fully revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the exact imprint of his nature and the radiance of his glory. The prophets and apostles, as we see in Ephesians, laid the foundation for Jesus. But he is the cornerstone that holds all of the promises and revelations together. He is better than they. He is better than they are because he is the Son of God, as pointed out in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1. He is not simply a mouthpiece for God. He is the Son of God. His word is better in the same way that the word of a prince is better than the word of a herald. Consider with me the wonderful characteristics of Jesus mentioned in verses 2 through 3 of Hebrews chapter 1. All of them point to what makes Jesus such a glorious and better messenger than any before him. Look at it in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. It says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus, as we see here, has been present throughout all of history. Notice that he was the one through whom the world was created. He knows all the intricacies and workings of the world and has authority to speak on them because it was through him that it was all created. And not only that, but Jesus made purification for sins when he came to earth and lived the perfect life without sin and died a death that he did not deserve in order to pay for our sins. He can speak about these things because it was he who accomplished them. Not only that, but he is the heir of all things. It is Jesus who was ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. It is Jesus who will return and inherit the world and all things. He has authority to make promises 
because all things will be in subjection to him. Not only that, but as we see in verse 3, he is the exact imprint of God's nature. The Greek word that we see used for imprint in verse 3 is character, which is actually on your insert if you want to write down the definition. Character means an engraving or exact copy. And so we see by that word, Jesus is the exact image of God. So we can have full confidence in what he said. He speaks for God because he is God. And he perfectly represents the Father in every way. And not only that, but he upholds the universe by the word of his power. If the word of Jesus is strong enough to hold up the universe, we can trust it to be powerful enough to fulfill every other promise that he has ever made. He truly is a superior messenger to any who have come before. Now, the coming of Jesus is the fullest and final revelation we have received from God. Notice in verse 2, it says, in these last days. The Greek word used is eschatos, which means farthest, final, or uttermost. The author specifies that we are living in the last days. And this is important because it means that we have received the final revelation from God regarding this age. We are not left to wonder if there will be more. We can trust that what Jesus has delivered is sufficient and final. Jesus Christ is the consummation of God's plan for the ages, and his revelation is totally sufficient for us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the good news of Jesus is sufficient to speak to every struggle, every doubt, every failure, every tribulation? Or are you still seeking for God to give you more than what he has revealed? Brothers and sisters, let me assure you that the word of God is sufficient to hold you fast until our faith becomes sight. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of God has revealed through his son all that we ever need, in this life. It is sufficient to equip us for all the good works that God has prepared for us and to teach us all that we need in order to live our lives in a way that pleases God. And it's so important that we grasp this truth because there are many voices in the world today that claim to have authority to tell us how to live. Many will even invoke the name of God as their authority to speak into our lives. This reality is warned about over and over throughout the Bible, especially in the epistles. One such warning comes from Philippians, which says, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, we hear and see these false teachers everywhere today. They are on television, on the radio, the internet, and even in our day-to-day -day lives. 
We can know whether or not someone is from the Lord by analyzing their message to see if it lines up with Scripture. Many of the messages we hear are even very appealing, but we must not be deceived. We must cling to the revelation of the word that has been given by Jesus. Remember the words of Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. The message that he has brought is the illuminating light that makes sense of everything else in the world. Jesus himself tells us this in John chapter 18, verse 37. He says, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And so, I encourage you this morning, brothers and sisters, listen to the voice of Jesus. We are no longer in the darkness. The light has come and revealed to us the truth about ourselves and the salvation that is available to us. The message of Scripture is just as authoritative and relevant as it has always been. It is the Word of God. God has graciously given us this Word as well as faithful under-shepherds who continually teach us His ways. We must not let ourselves have itching ears for messages that are not from God. I encourage you to daily soak in the truths of Scripture and remind yourselves of what the truth is. Trust in the revelation of the Word and that it is sufficient. Trust that the work of Jesus is sufficient. And trust that what he has declared is the only truth that we need. May we have full assurance in the better revelation that Jesus Christ has graciously delivered to us. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning and thank you so much for the revelation of your word. Um, for speaking to us, Lord, and telling us how we are to please you and live in a way that uh, follows Christ's example. Uh, we thank you for Jesus, that he came to this earth and delivered to us this authoritative and final word um, so that we are not left in the dark. Um, and thank you, Lord, that you not, not only delivered this word, but you did the work to fulfill it. Um, you worked in our hearts and wrote the law on it, and gave us a desire to obey it. Um, I pray, Lord, that we would trust in your word, uh, that we would not go looking for other messages, um, that we would not um, distrust the sufficiency of your word. Um, thank you, Lord, that you have been so gracious to us. Thank you that you have give, given us under-shepherds who declare your truth to us on a weekly basis. Uh, just help us, Lord, to live lives in ways that honor you and help us to constantly look to Jesus as the one who has revealed all truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen.